0: Thank you so much, man. What a, what a great day. What a great day to be in the Lord's house. We appreciate all the ministries of our church. Congratulations to our graduates. And uh, how many of you, anybody have a hard time parking today as you came in? It's awesome, man. Yeah, we're going to declare every Sunday graduate Sunday, so it'll uh, be okay. And uh, congratulate It almost worked. We'll see they're still trickling in. But we wanted to have so many here today that they would have to sit on the front row. And here they hear some of them come back, some of them have already trickled in, because we appreciate uh, Bobby and Kyle and our uh, youth ministry and all that they do to influence these kids and their families. I think it's okay to applaud the, what they have put into our youth. And you see that with our seniors. You see that in our changed lives. And so, Bob, appreciate Bobby's message to you. He took about five minutes, and great, great message. And mine may not be on that part, but I'm a, I've got a message for you, seniors. For your graduates, it's going to be about 25 minutes, but it's okay. Grab your Bibles or your smartphones, whatever you need to do. Find 1 Samuel chapter 8, Old Testament uh, book of 1 Samuel chapter 8. It's a part of our series that we're talking about, He's Still King. And we know that the Lord has a message for us here today. And by the way, we appreciate, we always have guests in our, every service. And we welcome our guests once again and uh, have many new members as well. We're having a guest, a new members class from noon to two today. And we encourage you to come be a part of that. We'll uh, provide lunch for you. Be upstairs on the third floor. If you want to come be a part of that called Discover Parkway. I think there's some more information in your bulletin as well. 1 Samuel chapter 8. We're going to read verses 1 through 10. And then keep your phones open on that particular page if you can. Or your Bibles open. We'll look at some more of these passages. Look at them a little closer here in just a moment. This now is the Word of God. First Samuel chapter 8 and verse 1. When Samuel became old, he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn son was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah, and they were judges in Beersheba. Yet his sons did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after gain. They took bribes, perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, Behold, you're old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. The Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people in all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. According to all the deeds that they have done from the day I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are also doing to you. Now then, obey their voice, only you shall solemnly warn them and show them the ways of the king who shall reign over them. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who are asking for a king from him. May the Lord bless the reading of His Word. Uh, Toilet paper syndrome. I don't know that that's actually a thing, but some of you will, all of you will probably remember the time a couple of years ago to where toilet paper was running low, and many people selfishly went and bought all that they could and hoarded that. I wonder if they're still using that today, or they ran out or not uh, by now. And then it became the. uh, uh, disinfectants and the germicide and those things were running low and then as soon as they got in they would be uh, they would quickly be gone and now it is uh, baby formula and the baby formula we realize now a lot of that probably is close to clothes manufacturing and transporting and all of those sorts of things maybe that go in with that but you've probably seen on the news or on twitter or somewhere pictures of moms who have cleared the shelves and filled their buggies and selfishly perhaps hoarding, unless they have about 100 infants at home, they're probably keeping that, make sure they have enough for themselves and maybe not necessarily for anyone else. There are consequences for being only concerned about self interest. I think we're going to learn from the passage today, if we pay attention, it is that uh, it is probably the worst consequence of a self-interest is when we get exactly what we want, exactly what we desire. We probably need to continue to remember that uh, uh, country song theologian thank God for unanswered prayers or thank God that he does not always answer the prayers in ways in the way in which we had asked. This time of year season of transitions, it's time of transitions for many. So senior recognition, Marks the end of one season of life and the beginning of a new season of life. Well, it just so happens First Samuel 8 is a chapter of transition. It's going to be a transition that takes place here. And uh, what's taking place is they've been talking about from one period of Israel's history to another period. The period that we know as the Judges is coming to an end. This marks the end. And that is going to be the period of the monarchy or the kings. And so... And a little bit closer view of that is the fact that they've been, a focus here has been on Samuel, and now the focus is going to be on King Saul, then it's going to move to King David, and of course, the dynasty of King David that continues from the dynasty and uh, following along on his uh, until finally Jesus is an ancestor of, a descendant of King David, who brought a different kind of kingdom. Samuel's still going to be involved in the next few chapters, but life is full of transitions from. Preschool to grammar school to junior high to high school to college or to the workplace from employee to boss to retirement or from a son or a daughter to adult to a husband or a wife or a mother or father to empty nest to single or to single again. And your status may have been stayed the same recently, but regardless, these verses are going to help us with transitions. They're going to help us with preparations for new seasons or even if we stay in the season which we're in. Notice the first few words of 1 Samuel chapter 8. We just read it a moment ago. It says, Samuel became old. And there's going to be some changes. Now, uh, our graduates are hardly old at this time, you'll understand. But they are getting older, and uh, so there's some changes. And the changes going to take place here in 1 Samuel chapter 8 are not necessarily God's changes and are not necessarily in God's timing, but they are changes nonetheless that God has allowed for His purposes. So changes are inevitable. Changes are coming. They're coming for our graduates. So for the next few minutes, we're going to be, I'm going to be particularly talking to our graduates. Okay, the rest of you are invited to kind of listen in and uh, be able to glean from uh, what's being said and what God's Word says. But we're particularly talking to your graduates and you're sitting here in the front. Some of you, I've seen you. Yeah, some of you moving around a little bit, but uh, we've got you. We've got you in. You are not meant to stay in high school. You're not meant to stay in high school forever. Unless, you're, unless, probably unless your experience was a whole lot different from mine, you wouldn't want to stay in high school forever. And uh, you want to find new horizons. You want to experience that freedom. You want to discover more about this world and what you can do in it. So we're, we're praying for you today. Already many prayers, multiples of prayers were for you today. And so we pray for you. We pray for your parents we pray for this world in which you are about to be let loose in, certainly as well. And so we're going to learn some, and hopefully you got your notes there. they're going to be there on the jumbotron. Life, lesson, life lessons on transitions for followers of Jesus. Now, graduates, i want I want to give you a tool to use to help you with the study of God's word. And I use, We use kind of a framing, so to speak, to help us to understand. And first of all, three different kinds of frame. There's going to be a picture frame, a mirror frame, and a window frame. And in the picture frame, we're asking the question, what is the story? There's a picture that's painted in the stories in the Bible. Great tool for parables in the New Testament. Also stories in the Old Testament as well. So we want to see the picture that is painted that is intended for us. And then there's the mirror frame where you're going to ask, uh, do you see yourself in The picture, do you see yourself in the story? Do you see changes that you might need to make? Now, the Bible is almost always a mirror for us. Its primary goal is to be able to reveal more about God and God's character and point to Jesus. But it's a mirror so that we can see ourselves and hopefully see the changes that we need to make. I only discovered this recently, and that is that um, I only look at myself in the mirror with my glasses on one day a week usually on Sunday before I come into the pulpit. Otherwise, when I look into the mirror, if I'm not wearing my glasses, I look young and handsome and hardly ever need a shave. But before I come into the pulpit, I realize I've got to put my glasses on as I did this morning and look in the mirror and yikes! There's not much I can do except for maybe shave a little bit closer. But if we begin to see God's Word as a mirror to where we can see ourselves with the Holy Spirit's help, we can see 2020. We can always see the changes that we need to make so we can look more like Christ. Now, if we go to God's Word and we see the picture or the story that's being painted that is for us, and even if we know the story, many of our our graduates know many of the stories, of course, in the Bible, but we fail to see what it tells us about God or we fail to see ourselves or the changes that might need to be made, then the Word has really done us little good. In particular, if we don't see the story as a window frame. You follow the three frames? The window frame. Ask what does the story teach you? What do you need to? What do you need to do? And this frame becomes important so that we can see beyond ourselves and see our place in this world, where God could have us to be and God wants us to go. So each kind of frame is important. Each kind of frame helps us so that we can be able to understand and be able to apply God's word. It's just a tool to be able to help you to use that I want to give you today, and also I want to practice it today. Wants to be able to see the picture of the story which we read. So, first of all, let's look at the picture frame. And 1 Samuel chapter 8 verses 1 through 3, we read it a moment ago, begins to tell a story that paints a picture. And yes, Samuel Samuel's getting older. Says he's old. 1 Samuel, if you look just above that, 1 Samuel chapter 7 and verse 15, it tells us that Samuel, the judge, the prophet of God, judged Israel all the days of his life, and he's still going to be involved. It says in these verses that he is getting older, but He's not going to die for about another 20 chapters. I'm just letting you know. He's still got a ways to go before we come to his death. And so a lot's going to be going on. But the focus that we're finding here is the of who the leader is is going to change. Now Samuel has two sons who were also appointed as judges as their father was, but they were not living in the ways of their father. They were not godly men and did not lead godly lives. So the sons of Samuel acquired wealth. They turned away from God and were prone to... Uh, taking bribes, and instead of administering justice, they perverted justice. Now, understand, Samuel, there's nothing but good said about Samuel. He's God's man, but the sons, not so much. And the sons who also were judges who were to represent God to the people were doing the opposite. This is the picture of the first part of the story told in these first three verses. So let's hold up the mirror frame as we, particularly when it comes to looking at Samuel And the sons of Samuel, well, you may not be holding a high position, but you can be sure that you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. You are influencing people. You're either influencing people toward Jesus or you're influencing people away from Jesus. I'm going to make it easy for you. My guess is that none of you are taking bribes or perverting justice. But that's why we hold up the window frame. So how does this help us to be able to move into the right direction? You've got some notes there. A couple of things to stay away from. Stay away from sin, the evils of this world. Well, certainly something that you know that you need to do. We're all sinners. Uh, even Samuel, the great prophet of God, was a sinner because the Bible says all of sin falls short of the glory of God. We all need Jesus. We all need to be forgiven of our sins and while your sins may not be as bad as the sons of Samuel, may not be as bad as other people that you've read about in the Bible or other people that you know, we all need Jesus. And the only way not to be enslaved by sin not to carry around guilt all of our lives and not to be enslaved to this world is to know Jesus, put your faith in Him and ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. Now this idea of staying away from sin and Stay the away from the evils in this world, it is impossible without Jesus. But this sounds like something we say in church, doesn't it? Stay away from sin, stay away from evil, and even if you could do it from now on, it's not going to get you into heaven. The best person that you know, the best person alive today on earth is not going to get to heaven without Jesus. Uh, here, Heaven in the hereafter. And freedom and confident living in the here and now is only available because of the blood of Jesus. Jesus' death on the cross took our place. He took the judgment that was meant for us and He died on that cross. Three days later, He rose again. Now, if you've not met Jesus as your Savior and Lord, graduate here today, mom, dad, grandparent, boy or girl, somebody listening live stream, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior and Lord today, give your heart to Him Ask Jesus to come in to be your Savior and Lord. Ask Him to forgive you of all sin. It will be the greatest decision that you will ever make to become a Jesus follower. Now, if you're a follower of Jesus, well, you know to stay away from evil. But we live in a world that calls evil good and good evil all the time. So how can you know with so many voices coming at you in different directions about what is good, what is right, what is best, what's bad? How can you know what is good, what is best? Well... You know because God's Word tells us, so we need to be in God's Word. You know because of Jesus Christ, what He did, the example that He gave, and what He said. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living in you, reminding you about what is right. But still, in this world that we live, it has strayed so far from some common biblical sense. Many see nothing wrong with what we know is evil. Can you... uh, you don't have to say it out loud, but can you think of any examples in today's world to where the world seems to have lost their focus and they have called what is evil as good or vice versa? Well, a certain example of what you've seen so much in the news today that call the killing of unborn children as acceptable and sometimes even good or sometimes even a wise decision certainly is against the character of God and against God's Word. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 1, 4-5, Now the Word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. and Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. There are those who even use the Bible or even point to God to justify the slaughter of the innocent, which seems intolerable. This is not a political statement. This is a biblical statement about truth and God's love for all from conception to the grave. And it's just one example of what we see sometimes in today's world how important it is that we stay and be able to understand how we can stay away from the sins and the evils of this world. We're thankful for the Lord, the one who offers grace and forgiveness and plan and direction. Now, much has been made about the students of the Bible, from students of the Bible, about the sons of Samuel, sons of Samuel who were ungodly. Now you might remember the story before this, there was Eli the high priest. He had sons who were ungodly men and they served as priest and God brought judgment on Eli and his sons and on Israel because they had followed in the sons' influence and practiced sin and evil. Now some have speculated that Samuel must have followed either in Eli's footsteps or neglected his sons or maybe did too much Judging and preaching and not enough time at home. You know, it's always the preacher's kids, you know, that if they go wrong, it must be the preacher's fault. And sometimes it is. But sometimes the preacher's kids end up good or godly, maybe in spite of the preacher. Well, Samuel is not a perfect parent because there's no such thing. But why would God say so much about Eli's lack of parenting and godliness and says nothing about Samuel if he's in such a bad parent? That is true. Godly parents are more likely to produce godly children who grow up to be faithful followers of Jesus. But there is no guarantee. But to our graduates and to our children, to our adults, stay away from the evils of this world and cling to what is good and godly as you've seen it in your parents or as you've seen it in others. If you're here today, chances are that you've had a good influence in your life. Picture painted in 1 Samuel chapter 8. It's getting broader. In verses 4 and 5, the elders of Israel come to Samuel and tell him, that he is old. I don't know that he had to be told that he was old. He probably already knew. But they virtually came and said, and this is important, they said, you're getting old. You're not going to be around here that much longer. And your sons are ungodly men and we sure don't want them to rule over us. So appoint for us a king to judge us like the other nations of the world. In verse 6 it says, this displeased Samuel. Why do you think that was? Well, because he was the judge and he thought maybe they were Rejecting him, but God told him, No, they're not rejecting you, Samuel. He said, They're rejecting me. He is the God King. God's people are to be live under a theocracy where God's in charge. However, back in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 17, Moses told the Israelites, You may indeed set a king, or God told Moses actually, you may indeed set a king over you whom the Lord your God will choose. One from among your brothers you shall set as king over you. So he had been already told that it would be okay. There will be a king over you. So so why was Samuel and the Lord displeased with this request, this demand for a king? It was because of their motivation. It was driven by self-interest and not their faith in God who had brought them out of slavery in Egypt. The God who had walked them through the wilderness and provided food and water, the God who promised victory after victory in the promised land, the God who forgave them in spite of their unfaithfulness, the God who continued to provide. If there was to be a king over the Israelites, well, let it be in God's timing and one whom He would appoint and anoint as king. That's the next part of the picture. So can we hold up the mirror now? There may be many things that you may be wanting to happen today that are not bad things that may be good. For our graduates, there's nothing wrong with uh, wanting a good education and a career, financial success for the future. It's okay to have a girlfriend or boyfriend, even want to be married one day. You want to have a nice house and enjoy success. But to demand these things for the wrong reason or for those to be your priority, would will be a reflection of the Israelites wanting the king. There's going to be a king. David, I believe, was clearly the one that God had in mind to begin the dynasty. God may want you to have all of these things, but as followers of Jesus, your motivation and your priorities make all the difference are you Are you getting this? There's a picture there's the mirror. Well, here's the window, the life lesson, particularly for the transition when making decisions. Stay away from mourning what is good without God. Stay away from mourning what is good without God. You, You know you're supposed to stay away from sin and evil, though that may be hard to distinguish unless you're taking your clues from the Bible, your relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit living in you. But also, stay away from what might not be evil and could even be considered good if you are striving for these endeavors without God. For as we'll see in just a moment, God might allow you to have what is good, but you're going to miss out on what is best. There's, there's another part of the picture you may have noticed. The Israelites' main motive was what? It was to be like other nations. Do I need to even hold up a mirror? Have you ever wanted to be like somebody else? Have you ever wanted to have what somebody else had? And it can happen in it, any season of life. It's a constant struggle to go between wanting what the world has to offer and wanting to be more like Jesus it can happen at any time, but how true it is when you graduate high school or you go to college or join the workforce, it's natural to want to go along to get along. Nobody wants to be considered weird or out of place. What if they don't like me? I want to be popular, not cast aside. I want to be successful. Even if that means losing my integrity, I want you to to put all those notions aside and determine, no matter what, Christ will be first. If a transition is happening in your life and their transitions will be constant, determine Christ-like integrity, biblical morality, and loving kindness will be your go-to lifestyle no matter what. We're called to be a unique people, set apart holy unto God. So here's our window into change and so that you know that we're not only talking about the negative, it's not always just about what you need to stay away from, what is it you need to hold on to, cling to being different from the crowd cling to being different from the crowd, strive for holiness. Now holiness means a lot of things, but one of those is that it means that we need to be set apart and that we need to look a lot more like Jesus. If everyone else wants to imitate the world, you want to be like Jesus. It may be that if you're watching the crowd go in a certain way, you might need to think, if everybody else is going that way, maybe there's another direction I need to go. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says, verses 1 and 2, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Well, back to the picture. By the way, this is not four or five different pictures. It's one picture, one painting that we're looking at. We're just noticing more and more details. The people wanted a king. Samuel prays to the Lord. and The Lord tells Samuel, let them have their king, but warn them what the king will require you still got your Bibles open, notice, we'll start at verse 10. We read verse 10 a moment ago, but in verse 10 it says, So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king from him. Verse 11 says, He said, These will be the ways of the king who will reign over you. You will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots and to be his horsemen and run before his chariots. And next verse about being in the military. It says, You don't have a king, but your sons are going to be drafted into the service of the king. But notice verse 13. It says He'll take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. You can have it your way. You can have a king. But uh, if you think your daughters are not going to be drafted, well, you'd be wrong. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 14 says, He'll take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards, give them to His servants. He'll take the tenth of your grain and your vineyards, give it to His officers and to His servants. He'll take your male servants and female servants and the best of your young men, your donkeys, and put them to His work. Verse 17, He'll take the tenth of your flocks, and you, will sh- you shall be their slave. You will be his slave. While, while they were already perhaps to give tithes to the church, this was a nation that was not yet paying taxes until there was a king. And they should not paying taxes. Some of your parents are saying, where do I sign up for that? Uh, they, they didn't know it, but they had it pretty good as long as God was their king and if they just put their faith in God... And be obedient. Know it or not, you've got it pretty good. I've got it pretty good if we keep our faith in God and trust Him. By the way, this, this idea of 10% of your grain or a tenth of your fields and, uh, and animals, in other words, one tenth of what you have will go to the king in taxes. Okay. Most of us give more than a tenth, more than a tenth of our income to Uncle Sam. Um, Graduates, the day will come. You'll go to work full-time. You'll do the same thing that we did, only we get a paper check. You'll probably, you'll get your first full-time paycheck. And, but you'll probably be on your phone. You'll, it'll be automatically deposited. But, uh, and, but you'll look at that. And you'll see, you'll, do, you'll, you'll have already counted your money. You'll know how you're going to spend it. And you'll get your first paycheck and you'll say, where'd all my money go? King's going to get his. The man gets it First. Does He not? Now Jesus and the New Testament writers told us about our attitude toward the government. Tactics is to be good citizens. Government is God's agent. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar. And unto God what is God's. And everything belongs to Him. But let's be careful though how we hold up our mirror that we do that properly because as we read a passage like this, we're tempted to hold up the nation of Israel and mirror that to the United States and make that comparison but that's a wrong comparison because the comparison is to hold up the nation of Israel to followers of Jesus. And we see ourselves mirrored in this passage for the warning has little for us maybe to do with taxes, but it's knowing and heeding the word of God. The warning was if you do this, this is what will happen. Now in verse 19 we, it tells us that the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, but let there be a king Over us, Actually, verse 9 says that. They knew the truth and still went their own way and wanted to be like other nations. We are like the Israelites when we know the truth and we're learning more truth. They were learning more in this chapter. But instead of following the truth and following God, we still go our own way or choose to live like the world. So here's your window. Cling to loving the truth, not just knowing the truth. Cling to loving the truth, not just knowing the truth. You know the truth is found in Jesus. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In in case you've not heard this before, learn to love the truth found in Jesus and found in His Word and the voice of the Holy Spirit who will be reminding you of His truth every day. The psalmist said in Psalm 119 and verse 97, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. In the New Testament, John 14, 21 says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest or make myself known to him. Loving Jesus, loving His truth and His Word will lead to faithful obedience. Now the day would come when the Israelites would cry out for relief because of their taxes and burdens due because of the government. I don't know if you heard that phrase. The day would come when they would cry out because of the burden, because of the government. I don't know if that sounds familiar. Speaking of transitions and milestones, I, I, had, a, I had a milestone this week. I don't know if the graduates are already filling up their own tank, but let's see if, let's see if you can relate to this. This is a new milestone this week. And I put $100 on a pump before. This is the first time I put $100 and it did not fill up my truck. So it's a new milestone that is there. And I only we bring that to you I heard the, I heard the, you know, everybody, at least you, at least you feel for me. I thought it would make me feel better because I told you, but I don't feel any better about it. (laughs) But this is what it reminds me while there will always be changes. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 19 and 20 says, But the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, but there shall be a king over us. We read that a moment ago. and That we may also be like all the nations, and so that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Israelites wanted to be like other nations. They wanted someone else to judge them and lead them into battle. They were looking for a leader that would be a military leader rather than God as king. And God gave them what they wanted. Consider that it may be the worst thing that could happen, that God gives you what you want. So do this. Cling to your ultimate goal, which should be to please Jesus. Not to please the world, not to please others, or not to please self. And what's your motivation for that? It should have been the same that there was for Samuel. 1 John 4, 19 says, We love Him because He first loved us. He's demonstrated to you his love through Jesus who gave his life for you, who cares about you more than you know, and that he has promised to never leave you. When one of my daughters went off to uh, to school, uh, as a freshman, she wanted to be involved in a sorority. And, uh, and I wasn't too sure about that. I, I'll just tell you about that. And, and uh, uh, she is already involved in the BCM, Baptist Campus Ministry. She uh, was a... Uh, uh, intern at a church nearby, and, and she worked in a church daycare and preschool. I'm not sure when she studied, but did all of those things. If anything to, I thought could let go, it was that sorority thing. And uh, uh, she told us early on, as far as she knew, she was the only one in her sorority who did not drink. And uh, uh, I know that may sound like just something that a daughter tells her dad, but she actually found some others that uh, and there's a few that who. Either did not, or did not, decided not to, and uh, and they and she didn't judge those who did as being good or bad Christians if they did or not. But uh, but they weren't that they, they were ostracized. Sometimes they were left out uh, because they were a little bit different and because they were people of faith. Now she became a sorority. She became an officer in sorority as a freshman, and she became chaplain. She started holding Bible studies uh, in her dorm room and. Many came, uh, many of the girls came, some of them that were not Christians came, they, she'd a weekly Bible study throughout. You know, toward the end of the year, they have parent day, and we drove and went to parent day, and I've got to tell you, I had, a, I, had a, I had a bad attitude about it, well, all through sorority parent day. I'm thinking, I've got a, this, she doesn't need this, she's got other things going on, I've got other things to do, it's Saturday, I need to get back, get ready for church, and so we, they fed us lunch, and we got through with lunch and the program. We're about to leave, and a girl comes up to us, and I think she was a senior, and she said, uh, she said, are you Mr. and Mrs. Redmond? I said, yeah, we're. I said, uh, well, I went to your daughter's Bible study. And she said, uh, she said my mom and dad came, uh, my, her and her mom moved down here from Canada for her to go to school. And, uh, and she said this, she said, and there are no churches in Canada. Now, I've been to Canada. There are churches, not as many in the South, you understand, but she made that statement and she said, uh, she said because your daughter's Bible study started going to church and she said uh, she said I got <clears throat> came to know Jesus three weeks ago I was baptized last week It's because of your daughter's Bible study now I'm going to try to finish here but I did not talk for the next two hours because I was afraid I'd become a blubbering idiot and also heard the Lord tell me okay it's time to tell your daughter it's time to stop telling your daughter what to do It also reminds us that it does need to be our number one priority, that we need to please Jesus no matter what. I tell you, we could make the claim that we live in a day where there's more temptation today and there's a smaller percentage of people actually following Jesus. I also think the chances of you, this generation of young Christ followers, being sold out to Jesus and influencing your world for Christ is greater than any other. You have more benefit than ever before to make the best choice and to be able to live out your faith. Well, how is that? Well, you have the benefit more knowledge than the Israelites had because you know Jesus, who is the light of the world, who's made Himself known. You have the greatest demonstration of God's love found in Him. You and I have this passage of Scripture that we've read today to let us know that sometimes what we desire and what we want, even if it's not evil, it certainly is not good if it is not what God wants. You have good examples in your parents and your grandparents who love you and love the Lord, have demonstrated Christ-like and godly love. While we're not perfect, previous generations, like in 1 Samuel 8, had mostly bad examples. And you, this generation, you've lived this past two years through a pandemic, a real disease that has cost people their lives, brought controversy, difference in opinion. But if nothing else, you know that tomorrow is not promised. These bodies are just passing through this world and there is a world beyond. There's a heaven waiting. There is a Lord who loves you and always has a plan. You could be downtrodden. You could wonder what in the world is this generation to do with the woes of today? What bad news is around the corner? But I know this. Nothing is wasted in God's economy. God's using all to bring you and others close to Him. God is working not to waste any of your experiences. So why would you want to? So you can decide today. You can decide, I will follow my heart's desire or I will follow His heart's desire. I would say that before this week is over, you'll hear once, if not more than once, that you need to follow your heart. Whatever you do, follow your heart. Well, that's fine as long as Jesus is Lord and King of your heart. Psalmist told us, Delight yourself in the Lord and He'll give you the desires of your heart. Now, it may be that everything that you desire and everything that you want, you may actually get as you delight yourself in the Lord, you get it at the right time and in the right way. Or it may be when you delight yourself with the Lord, your desires will change. And they will become the same as that which belongs to God. For He wants the very best for you. Whether you're a graduate, parent, grandparent, church member, you just happen to wander in today, you can know that God loves you. You can know that God has a plan for you today. And that you can know that you need to follow close to Him. If you don't know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you know that you can call upon Him today and today He'll save you. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come to You even now recognizing from Your Word that God is King over all things. We pray, Father, that we may let Him reign in our hearts and our lives and we may make Him King of our hearts and King of our homes, King of our plans. We're going to turn that over to You today, Lord. We come committing ourselves to You that whatever it is that is Your desire for us, as if our plans, as if our hearts are a blank page and that You're able to write on it, would You do so today and even now begin to reveal more of Yourself than ever before? We pray, Father, if there's one here today or one even listening live stream that doesn't know You as Lord and Savior, that today might be the day of salvation, that they can call upon Jesus. We pray for that now. He or she may call upon Jesus, ask Christ to be Savior and Lord. Ask Jesus to forgive them of their sin. And because of the promise of God's word, because we know it's true, we know it will be done. Thank you, Father, for your promises. It's in Jesus' name we lift these prayers. Amen.